Was it just me or when he said like three amigos, in my mind I was thinking like, oh, right? That's what I was feeling down deep in my soul. Did you feel that too, Benji? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I wanted to like start barbecuing and eat elotes or something. <laughs> God is so good to us. Are you, are you ready for the word? Man, he has been so good to us this morning. I'm telling you, as you're just, just sitting in his presence, there's just something about our mighty God that we serve. There's just, you just sit back and start to just, just marvel at it, you know, at, at him and as, as he's doing things. And, and um, you know, one quick thing before I get started here, you know, youth camp and kid camp are coming up. Please make sure, I'm just saying it again, please make sure that you get on there and register. Um, if you need help with sponsorships, please still register, but click on manual payment and then contact the front office or contact me here on, um, on Tuesday when I'm back in the office so that way we can make sure we get you set up. Because wasn't that amazing to see the video for youth camp? To just see Jonah Coyne, you didn't hear him, but he's preaching out of a Dr. Seuss book. Um, and so we're so excited to see, to see Jonah. And this time he's bringing his wife and his eight-month-old baby. Um, and so this is going to be amazing. Can I tell you one more thing about Jonah? Um, I, I love him. I've been sitting there talking with him on the phone. We always say we're going to talk for five minutes, and we end up talking for two hours. Um, but he gets invited to speak at a lot of different camps. And he goes a lot of different places. And he says, the Lord always downloads a thought or an idea. And then he just grows with it, whatever the Lord is leading in him and doing. This camp, he said, has totally been different because the Lord has been giving him each sermon for each time he is going to speak on specifically what he needs to say to our kids this coming camp, right? Isn't that amazing? And so we just know that God is going to do something great. So please make sure you sign your youth group up or the youth kids up and sign up kids camp as we're getting ready just to let the light shine. We're getting dancing music going. We're going to have a water day with the, youth, with the kids here at our church. So please go to valleychurchidaho.com and register there. I think that's it. So let's just jump right into the word. So my first scripture is going to be, I'm going to preach to you about fearless. Is that going to be okay? We need to be fearless in our lives and fearless of how we live and fearless of how we love and fearless of how we pray. And that's really what's been on my heart, um, especially even in our youth group. We've been going after identity as hard as we can go because we want the kids to know that it doesn't matter what comes about or what's said about you or the circumstance, but what really matters the most is who they are in our heavenly father. What really matters the most is who does God say they really are? And I always tell them there's that old saying that says, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say is going to bounce off of me and stick to you. How many of you remember that saying? Thank God. I said that in the youth group and they all looked at me like I was crazy. So thank you for getting that. And that's exactly what we want to go after. Anytime that the word of the enemy comes against you, I want it to be like you are made of rubber. You are made of such substance that comes from the Holy Spirit that downloads into your life that when it, the word is spoken to you, you can bounce off and say, no, 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 I know you're a liar because the word says that I am, I am chosen, I am holy, I am righteous, I am redeemed. And so this morning, I want us to live in a fearless, uh, fearless atmosphere of how we do things. Is that okay? So 1 Chronicles 28, 20. If you've never heard the three amigos, I'm probably the loudest and the fastest. So just to give you a disclaimer. Um, David here is, we break into where David is actually going, is giving a charge to his son, Solomon. He's passing on what God has given to him, and he's saying, no, the Lord started sp speaking to David and said, you're not going to build the temple. The next generation is going to build the temple. Solomon's going to build it. And that's been my heartbeat as I'm like, if I'm not going to do it, I want to be fearless so that my kids can walk in fearlessness, so that my kids have a raise up in a generation where they don't care. They're going to go out and pray for the sick, and they're going to know that they're going to recover. They're not going to worry about what are people going to say because they know they have been given the word of God. So David breaks and he says, be strong and courageous. I want you to say, be strong and courageous. And say, do the work. Other translations say, act. They don't, they don't want you just to be strong and courageous, but you also have to act on it. You can't just be strong and courageous and sit in the corner. You have to be strong and courageous and act on it, okay? Uh, it says, don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord God, my God. Remember, David's talking to his son. He says, the Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see it too, that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. You see, there's some things in this verse that I want to go after, and that's first, be strong. We have to be strong in how we do things. We have to be strong in how we pray. Be strong in how we live. 
How do we do that? But we know it by having a connection with our Heavenly Father. We do it when we begin to have intimacy with him, when we have those moments where we sit with him and talk with him. We, we, we begin to know what he's thinking and what he's doing. It's also, too, knowing who he is and what he can do. That's when we become strong. Isaiah, who's our four-year-old, um, if you haven't met him or heard him already, you will. Um, uh, he, he'll come around the house and he'll say, Daddy, I have to finish my food because I have to be strong like you, right? And I'll tell him, yeah, because you want big muscles like me, you know? I wear a little bit tighter shirts to look like I'm bigger and strong. And I tell him, you have to finish all of your chocolate milk. It's a pea shirt. You gotta make sure that when you finish it, you're gonna be big and strong because he knows that if I do this, I'm gonna be big and strong like my father. How, how many times do you and I come to our father with that same mentality? That, hey, I wanna be strong like you, Papa God. I wanna be strong like you in what you're saying and what you're doing. I wanna know the true words that you have. And when Isaiah comes to me, I have that like split moment as a parent, okay, as a parent, I have that split moment where I can speak identity into his life or I can kind of like, you know, poke fun at him. And at times, I'm not gonna lie, I do poke fun at him at times. Um, but I have that moment to be able to speak into his life because as his father, I want him to know who he really is. That, hey, when we start to talk more, when we start to be more together, you're gonna be strong like dad. You're gonna be able to lift up these bricks or be able to open up that, that, you know, that chocolate milk that no one else can open or, or pop open that jar. And that's one of the ways of living in, in a fearless life is that we know who our father is and he causes us to be strong, amen? To be of good courage or to be courageous is knowing who Jesus really is. You see, courageous meaning, is meaning mental or moral strength to venture, pers uh, persevere, and withstand danger or to withstand fear or to withstand difficulty. Doesn't that sound like Jesus? That when he walked on this earth, he wasn't just sitting there doing anything he, or doing nothing. He actually walked being courageous, knowing, again, his identity, and it caused him to walk out and be courageous. That he knew that when, he, when the leopards came to him, he didn't have to just back up or, or slow down, but he could actually speak healing into their life. He could actually spit into the dirt and cause four eyeballs to be formed and to be, have new life. He knew that everything he had would cause him to be courageous. And that's what you and I get to walk in. And I'm so excited because we know that when difficulties or fear come our way, when we have and we've given our life to Jesus, each and every one of us can walk and be courageous and be fearless of how we live. Jesus was courageous in the way that he lived, how he loved, how he led, and even how he spoke to people. You see, I love that, that next part when it says, and to do it, and to be, or, uh, your creators, oh, it's New King James, sorry, of the NLT, when it says to, to do the work. You can't just be to have the strength and to have the courage, but you actually gotta do something with it. He actually is a form of calling us to action, not by works that any one of us should boast, as the Bible says, but it's the fact that we just don't sit on the pew, but we take it outside the walls. And just like we're doing for social summer, we wanna be able to reach our community or be able to build relationships that people don't have to feel um, isolated or feel abandoned or feel alone. But just as much as God has come into my life and has never left me or forsake me, we get to be that same person to the, say our next door neighbor or there's someone else in the church that's feeling like, hey, I don't know which way to go. Hey, I want you to come over so we can sit, we can pray, we can talk, we can build life because we know that just as the disciples started to walk and to breathe on this earth, how we're going to live is going to be a fearless summer. How we're going to preach to our kids at kids camp, it's going to be fearless. That when they walk out of there, they're gonna know who they are and what they can do in Christ. When the kids go to youth camp and they go up in the mountain, I'm telling you, we're praying that they have such a Jesus encounter that when they come home, they just start cleaning their room before you even ask. They just start laying hands on the sick and start, they're going, they know they're gonna recover. They know that God is going to do something great in their life, but guess what? It's gotta start with us setting up the tone that, hey, I want God to have such an amazing encounter with our kids that it's gonna be so powerful in our camps and in our conventions and what we're doing because we know we live a life that is fearless in Jesus, amen? Okay, so the promise of the Holy Spirit. It says, it says in Acts 1, it says, and when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you will receive power and you will begin to tell everyone that you meet about what the Lord has done. Who wants to live a courageous life? Thank you. Thank you for raising your hand. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. So Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, 
um, out of the New Living Translation, it says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. The Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you or abandon you. I love that part where he says personally, um, that he's personally gonna go in front of you. How many of you love when there's like a guide when you're going on a tour and that the guide goes before because he's been there before? He knows what he's doing. He says, hey, don't, don't step right here because you're gonna fall in the pothole. Hey, make sure that we're gonna clear out this part because that's where you're gonna go. Um, as a father, that's one of the things that apparently became my job. It's like I have to be one of the first ones into the pool. I have to be one of the first ones to walk through like the thing of snakes. I've gotta, you know, I've gotta, I've gotta go through the thing because I can't show my kids that I'm, you know, I'm fearful and that I'm shaking on the inside. Um, I've gotta be one of the first ones. And it's like, and that's the exact same way our father does with us. He wants you to know he's never gonna leave you or forsake you or abandon you, but he's gonna go before you personally. He's gonna make sure that you know that, hey, every step that you take just has to be in the exact same footsteps that he stepped in. That's all you have to do. It's a trust factor with him. It's a trust step with him. It's a trust fall at times, it feels like, with him. It's a time where we can be able to say, hey, listen, I know where you're leading me and I know where you're guiding me because the word says you're never gonna fail me and you're never gonna abandon me. Does that make sense a little bit? Okay, next verse. I have a couple extra verses. I just wanna go through them with you. I'm good on time, yeah, perfect. Okay, First John chapter four, verse 18. I love this verse. It says, uh, out of the New Living Translation, it says, such, ugh, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And it shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If we fear punishment, we have not fully experienced his perfect love because it's his perfect love that casts out all fear. It's his perfect love that casts cast out all shame or guilt. That when we begin to feel, I thought about Adam and Eve in the garden, that after they, had, after they had sinned, they were living in fear and they hid from God, even though he still came walking to talk with them. Even though he knew what they had already done, he's still saying, hey, if you walk in the true identity, knowing who I've called you as my kid or my son or my daughter, you know that you don't have to hide, but you can be able to come up to me and, and be able to run up to me and say, hey, that's the one thing, right, that we want to teach our children, that, hey, you don't have to lie. Hey, did you do this? And they're like, um, no. And you're like, you're the only one with, like, Doritos around your face. And you're the only one that's sitting next to a Dorito bag. And you're the only one that has Doritos spill all down your chest. I'm saying Doritos because it really happened at our house. And the whole entire time, they're like, no. And it's like, no, you don't have to lie. It's okay. You can tell me the truth. I'm still going to love you. I just want to know. Isn't that funny that that's the exact same way we need to come to our Father? That when we sin, all of a sudden, it's like a withdrawal. That, no, he's not going to love me. But the whole entire time, the verse says, but perfect love casts out all fear. And that when we're really starting to fear, it means we're not experiencing, we're not standing in alignment with who we really are and who he really says we are. We're not experiencing his full, uh, full perfect love that he has for each and every one of us. Okay, 2 Timothy, verses, uh, excuse me, chapter one, verse seven, New Living again. Um, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, um, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Of power, love, and of self-discipline that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Proverbs chapter 28, verse one. I think this is my last verse, and then I'm gonna end here. Proverbs chapter 28, verse one. This verse says, the wicked run when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Man, did that verse hit you as hard as it hit me? I mean, I sat there and it was like, poof, my mind got blown. And it's like the wicked run when no one's chasing them. There's, they're running because of fear, but the godly stand as bold as lions. So who wants to stand as bold as lions this morning? Who wants to stand fearless in the presence of our enemy to know that, hey, it's going to be God that raises up a standard against you. Uh, it's, again, sitting back and saying, hey, devil, I'm rubber and you're glue. So whatever you're trying to throw at me, I hope that it bounces right back and it sticks right back to you because I know who I am. So would you close your eyes? Would you put your hands out? So I just want to pray over you. Is that okay? 
So, Father God, I'm saying over every single person this morning, I'm saying that they would walk in perfect love, experience the fullness that you have for them, experience the mighty power that you don't give uh, fear, but you give power, love, and a sound mind. So we're saying, Lord, this morning, complete upgrades over every person that when they walk, they walk in the authority to know that they are your son and your daughter. And everybody said, amen. Come on. And everybody said, amen. All right, can we give the Lord a hand, please? Isn't he good to us? Thank you, Jesus. So I get the tremendous opportunity to be able to introduce to you your next speaker. He is the one, the powerful, the amazing, the awesome uh, Bible teacher, Sunday school teacher. I know my kids love him. I know your kids love him. Would you help me welcome to the stage Pastor Benji as he brings the next word for us? Okay, I think I have enough things up here to do an hour, so reset your timer, Patty. So as Tim, as Tim was just saying with the, that last verse of, of standing bold as lions, it reminded me of Psalm 3410, where it says, the lions may grow weak and hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That's, that's the other side of it. You've got to have that. You've got to be seeking the Lord. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Um, is seeking the Lord and changes. One of, well, the. Who in here can remember the first verse you ever memorized? Okay. Reuben left. I thought he might have been there at the same time because we grew up in the same neighborhood. The first verse I ever memorized was John 3, 7. And I memorized it because 30-ish years ago, I went to a VBS. I can't remember who invited me. I can't remember. I remember where it was. It was Living Waters Church down here on Kearney, which I don't think is Living Waters Church anymore. Um, but I remember somebody coming, inviting me. I don't remember anything else about the VBS, but this one verse, this one verse, and it was taught to us in uh, King James or New King James. I think it was King James. And it was taught to us as a rap. So if you do not know what John 3.7 is, you're about to, and it will never, ever, ever leave your head again. Because this is how it worked. We had a ventriloquist there. I can't remember him. can't remember the puppet even. But I remember this. Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Wiggy, wiggy, wiggy. And that's how it went. <laughs> now, that's not something you expect from Pastor Benji on the platform. But I was told the other night that I needed to be playful. So, there you have it. That's what you get. Now I get to be mean. No. <laughs> okay. I did not know what that meant. I did not know what that meant. I left that VBS knowing nothing else but that little rap. And it stuck in my head for 30 years. And like I said, I, I was hoping Reuben was in here because Reuben and I grew up just blocks away from each other and hoping maybe that he remembered that too. Maybe he was there as well, but I don't, he, his child was doing what children do. Pulling him away. All right, so John 3 is, is normally known for verse 16. That's what everybody goes to. Everybody knows John 3, 16. But there's so much more. There's so much more in this. Um, and, it's, and it's about a transformation. It's about something new. Because this is the whole discourse with Jesus and Nicodemus um, as I remember one pastor in my, in my past saying, Nick at night is what it was called. And, and for those of you who are 
over 30 years old. You remember Nick at Night? That's where we watched all of the old, old uh, television shows from, from the early 50s. Mr. Ed and Andy Griffith's show and all of those things. So, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night because he's scared, right? Because he forgot the, the verses that Pastor Tim was just preaching on. And uh, Jesus tells him, truly, truly, I say, unless, you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I've read this, I don't know how many hundreds of times. I've probably taught on this chapter, I don't know how many hundreds of times in the past 15 years, too. But something caught on this. Uh, as I've told many of you before, I, when I'm studying, like to have a Spanish version open as well, because it's closer to the original Greek. And something caught my mind when I was reading in Spanish that um, the word again wasn't the word I was expecting it to be. The word again in Spanish that, that, uh, that they use is de nuevo. De nuevo. Not otra vez, which is traditionally what you would say for again, another time, but de nuevo, which means new. And that made me stop in my tracks as I was reading. It doesn't say you must be born again, as in another time. It's saying you must be born anew. You must be born anew. And that caused me to go down a rabbit trail yesterday. And, of course, now I'm looking up lexicology of the word again and where that came from and where it started. And there's German roots and there's English roots and all these things. And the word again never really was meant to be used as we use it today from its origins. It was a shortened form, and actually the word against is what came from the original word again. And we use it wrong. But the modern version also says, as like the third definition, anew. I think it's the wrong word in our translations. The correct word should be anew. You must be born anew. Anybody who is not born anew will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, there's another word that I know. And it is the correct translation from Spanish to English. But it caught my mind, it caught my mind into a little spin again. Because kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is el reino de Dios. Now, reino... Is kingdom, but it best fits, honestly, the English word reign. The reign of God, the reign of heaven. So when you're made anew, then you can enter into the reign of heaven or the reign of God. It's not a place, but rather an authority. If you want to see the reign of God in your life, you have to submit to the authority by being made anew. And this is how my study goes. I get stuck on a verse, and I can't get out of it for weeks sometimes. Because I say unto you, unless one is born anew, you cannot see the reign of God. Think about that for a second. What does, what does it look like when God reigns? What does it look like? So, of course, that confused Nicodemus because just like it confused me with the word again, well, how, how can an old man crawl back into his mother's womb and be born again? No. That which is born of the flesh, in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. 
And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, marvel not. Go ahead, ready? Marvel not, I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Wicked, wicked, wicked. You got to have the turntables in there. It doesn't work otherwise. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. That made me stop too. So what is with everyone who is born of the Spirit? Well, what doesn't come across in the English is after study yesterday, figuring out that um, Jesus was actually using wordplay here. Because in the Greek, the word for wind is the same word as the word for spirit. It's wordplay. So as the wind blows where it wishes, as the spirit blows where it wishes, so it is with those who are born of the Spirit. We don't know where it came from. We don't know where it's going, but we do actually now because this, this was before Jesus revealed where it was going. We now know where it's going. We now know where it comes from. But as the wind blows, the breath of life, the winds of change, The commentary I read on this, trying to figure out what was going on and what he meant by that, is uh, he said that Nicodemus would have been reminded of the dry bones. Breathe. Be born anew. The Holy Spirit is what enters into us and allows us to be born anew. And when, when we... Allow the Spirit in, and we are born anew. Then we get to see the reign of God, the reign of heaven in our life, in our church, in our town, in our county, in our state, in our country, in our world. And, and it's in, in it. In the physical, the only way we really have to this is God, this is why God gave us butterflies. Because in the physical, the butterfly starts out as a caterpillar, and the only thing the caterpillar does is consume. That is the whole purpose of the life of the caterpillar is to consume. Eat, 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 eat. That is all it does. A monarch caterpillar grows over 200 times its size in a two-week period. All it does is eat. And that's how we are when we're in the flesh. We just consume. It's all about me. I don't care about anybody else. However, once that caterpillar is transformed and born anew as a butterfly, its sole purpose is to ignore alarms. <laughs> its sole purpose. Its sole purpose is to make more butterflies. That's the transformation when we are born of the Spirit. That we no longer are worried about me, 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 me. Right, Wes? We're no longer worried about me. Now it's, hey, everybody else needs to know the sweetness. Everybody else needs to have that opportunity to be born anew, to be born afresh, and see the reign of God. So Pastor Lynn, tell Cassie I was playful because she wasn't here to see it. Now, it is my pleasure and honor to introduce the final speaker for this morning, my friend, my brother, one of the biggest carriers of the reign of God, of the heart of the Father. This man loves from such a pure place that he doesn't even recognize evil in people. He doesn't see it. It blindsides him when it happens because he loves so purely. 
And, and I just ask you all, please, to welcome up my brother, Matthew. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Man, that was such a good word. Thank you. Haven't we heard good words? I mean, I feel like I could close in prayer right now. How about I just close in prayer for 32 minutes? Or, just kidding. Uh, so from Tim, we learned about breaking off fear, to live fearless, to know our identity, who Jesus is and who we are. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Benji, we must be born, born anew. Not just born again, born anew, that we might see the kingdom of God. That's so good. Okay, I got a little joke here. Um, so Jesus said, who do people say I am? And his disciples answered and said, some say you are John the Baptist, returned from the dead, others Elijah, or possibly one of the prophets. And Jesus answered and said, but who do you say that I am? Peter stood up proudly and answered and said, Thou art the Logos, existing in the Father as his rationality, and then, by an act of his will, being generated in consideration of the various functions by which God is related to his creation, but only on the fact that Scripture speaks of a Father, a Son, and a Spirit, each member of the Godhead being co-equal with every other member, and each acting inseparably with and interpenetrating every other member with only an economic subordination within God, but causing no division, which would make the substance no longer simple." And Jesus answered, scratched his head, and said, what? <laughs> Hopefully I'm not like that today. Um, but having studied Bible and theology, sometimes that can happen. It's like, Lord, help me keep it simple. Keep it simple, because that's what we all need. Okay, let's go to, speaking of Peter, uh, first scripture I have is Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get Behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Wow. That's probably the strongest rebuke Jesus ever gave, one of them. But I don't know about you, I feel like I've been there, like Peter. Does anyone else feel like you've been Am I the only one who's feel like I've been like Peter? You know, we're all in a predicament, right, as mankind, before we come to Jesus. Quite simply, what is, what is the predicament? Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. Therefore, what's the consequence? Our ways are not his ways. As a man thinketh, so is he. Everything proceeds from those inner thoughts, right? I love Pastor Rutson's sermon on the power of a thought. That was years ago. I'll never forget that. This whole building came from that man's mind. But think of the destruction in our lives that comes from a thought. You know, in this passage, it's not like Peter was set on evil thoughts. Now, of course, evil thoughts, we know that that'll be destructive. But here, Peter is, is, I believe, being religious, being zealous for what he understood to be the way the kingdom of God was going to come, just like Benji talked about. This is how he saw it. This is what he thought. Certainly, you're not going to be killed and murdered and have to suffer. That's not the way of the Messiah. You know, sometimes our good intentions, our ideals, can get us more in trouble than even our thoughts of overt sin. It sounds good, it's a lofty idea, but it's really us just going out in the flesh like Peter did. And sometimes we need to be rebuked. You know, I'll just share a quick testimonial here. Uh, I graduated from Multnomah Bible College uh, in, with, 
you know, studied the word for four years and with theology, and about a year after I graduated, Tess and I joined a church, I won't mention the church, in Portland, where we thought we're going to be the true church. That's always a scary place to start a church when you think you're going to be the true church. My recommendation, don't start a church with that thought, okay? <laughs> and we were going to live together in proximity. Literally, we, we, many people sold their homes. We lived in walking distance. Tess and I didn't own a home. We lived in the main community house. We were going to be radical disciples for Jesus. I mean, we were going to give it all, right? Acts 2, Acts 4, we were going to be that because that's the true church. Now, how many agree that's a pretty good idea? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I, hear, I see some head shaking. But you see, we left out something really, really important. The Holy Spirit and the mind of Christ. Who would say that's kind of important? And I'll tell you, you can have a zeal for God. You know, I was, we were in our 20s, but I was blinded for many years. I mean, Peter just had a moment. Hopefully he repented. I had six years of my life, seven days a week. Oh, but I am so grateful that the Spirit set me free from that. <laughs> <laughs> that I get to be in a house of freedom here where the Holy Spirit is honored, where his presence is honored. That is the foundation. Not our great thoughts and ideas of how we're going to figure out church and be true disciples. I am so thankful that God brought us to Idaho and that God brought us specifically to a house of freedom, a house of love. Yeah. Anyone else identify to a degree that you're glad you're here? Because this church is built on something different than the zeal, the zeal, the zeal of Peter, this, that spirit. I am so glad. I'll tell you, it's exhausting. Six years of trying to construct your own church based on your own ideas is exhausting. So I'm just, if you think of, your, if, you're, if you came today and you're thinking of going down that route, stop. Trust me, you don't want to go down what I went down. So good news, 1 Corinthians 2.16. Here's the second scripture, guys. This is just, I feel like, some of the best news in the whole Bible. 1 Corinthians 2.16. Paul, by the Spirit, is saying, Who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He's quoting Isaiah 40. And there's many passages like Isaiah 40, like, he's unknowable. The thought, you know... The God of all creation is so above, so beyond, we can never even search out, right? Go read Isaiah 40 sometime. I'm sure many of you have read it, right? He's quoting from that, says, but who may know the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And Paul makes one of the most radical statements, I believe, of all time. But we have the mind of Christ. Whoa! That's a crazy thought. This God who's unsearchable, the creator of all things, the universes, right? How many have been looking at the moon? I saw it this morning. You could see the moon. It was huge even this morning as I was taking a walk. And the, the super moon we had or whatever that, the moon we had, he, God's mind was behind all that. And, and, and Isaiah is just saying, we can't even know. He's the one who stretched out the heavens and the oceans. And, but Paul says, but, I love the buts. How many of you love the buts in the Bible? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but... I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is one of my favorite buts in the whole Bible. See, I didn't realize when I was zealous. I mean, I knew the scripture, but I didn't have a revelation that I had the mind of Christ. That I could listen to his thoughts on what church should look like. I could listen to his intentions for other people. Not my own zealous zeal. Man, I'll tell you, the mind of Christ is freedom, and there's no fear in the mind of Christ. There's no fear in the mind of Christ. Was Jesus ever filled with fear in his mind? You have that mind. You have that mind. You know, just to use an, an, an analogy, when you guys came in today, you enjoyed the fact that all the lights are on here in the church. But someone many, many years ago, someone many years ago, put in the wires, connected it to an electrical panel, 
put it through the walls, created light switches. And now we have the ease of simply having those on and we get to live right in the light, right? That was a gift that you did not, you, you're just enjoying that today. And like that, we have the mind of Christ. But you know, sometimes even as believers, it can get dark and it feels like the lights are off. It feels like the lights are What is going on? But you know what's so cool? We can just flip the switch. Just, you know, flip the switch. There we go. Yeah. Thank you, John Wolf. No, that wasn't by accident. That was planned. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think they're all on here. Okay, uh, there we go. I was about to say it. There's, I guess, a delay on that. But, guys, the mind of Christ, we can make it difficult, right? Because we read that. We have the mind of Christ. He's not saying you're going to get the mind. You have to install all these electrical equipment and go through years and years of counseling or years and years of reading your Bible just the right way or making enough sacrifices or praying in tongues enough. He says, by the cross and the resurrection, what Jesus did for you, by cleansing your conscience through his blood, you have the mind of Christ. You have it now. Not in 10 minutes, not in four days. You have the mind of Christ now. The electrical system to how God sees and thinks has already been installed within your spirit. And the Holy Spirit aids your spirit so that in your heart of hearts, you can begin to know what's God's thinking. Isn't that incredible? You can think God's thoughts. And our thoughts, our fleshy thoughts, eventually lead to darkness, right? If you're cut off from the thoughts of God, what life can you live but one of darkness? right? You know, when I was 19 years old, it was my first year at Multnomah. I had left family. I had gone from East Coast to West Coast, living in Portland. Part of it, Portland's kind of gloomy. There's not as much. I think someone, Drew, was talking about sunshine. There is way more sunshine here than in Portland. Can I get an amen to that? Or Seattle. Oh, man. So so I, I moved from the, you know, there's a lot more sunshine on the East Coast, and I came to Portland First year of Bible college, had a good year, met Tessa, but before the summer, we broke up that first summer. I had gotten behind in a lot of my studies, and I had a mind at that point, even 19, that was ruled by fear. And I remember May of 2002, sitting in front of a psychiatrist about to get on meds to deal with my anxiety my panic, my fear. And I'm not saying anything against that, but I'm thankful God had another solution. That in time, he would reveal that I'm his son. That I don't have to live in fear. As Tim said, as Pastor Tim said, we don't have to live in fear. I'm so glad I did not go down that path. But you know what? I had a family history of that. How many know it's easier, right? Sin can be repeated for generation and generation. Now, I don't want to give some power to some generational curse, but there's a momentum of darkness and of dark thinking that we inherit in the flesh until we're born again, born anew from above. And we get, re we get a new hardwire, <laughs> a new electrical system, right? Let's... let's Read another scripture, Peter after the resurrection. Peter after the filling of the Spirit. Let's go to 1 Peter 4.1. 1 Peter 4.1. Awesome scripture here. I'm just going to look up there. I don't know why I'm trying to flip the pages of my Bible. <laughs> Therefore, since Christ... Now listen closely because this can seem like you need... In a, say, I've, I used to read this through a religious mind, which is you need to suffer just like Jesus. Hear the cross and the resurrection, what he did totally apart from you. Now let's read it. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts or desires of men, but for the will of God. What does that mean? Jesus when he died, he took sin upon him. So when he died, it says in Romans, he died to sin once and for all. Jesus died to sin. He put it to death. 
it was put to death in his own body. Peter is saying, have the same mind of Jesus because he's convinced the sin is dealt with. Arm yourselves. Like you go into a battle, you got to be armed. He's saying, I'm going to give you a really strong weapon here. I'm going to give you a, a Gatling gun, an elephant gun. You know, you think of the most high-powered rifle. Arm your minds. See, this is Peter after his transformation. Arm your mind that you're dead to sin. I am not bipolar. I am not schizophrenic. I am not filled with fear. I'm not just a man of the flesh. I am born from above. I'm born anew. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I have a new mind, the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. I want everyone to say, I have the mind of Christ. Ready? Let's say, I have the mind of Christ. I think we need to say that one more time. I have the mind of Christ. That means when we are in our days, how many of you get into dark thinking? I, I do. Even though I know all this and have had this revelation and experience of the Father's love, I still find myself thinking dark thoughts or maybe the enemy's planting them in there and I take them as if they're mine. I start believing that Jesus didn't die for those dark thoughts. But guess what? We can just flip the switch. We can just get in his presence and say, God, I repent. Meaning, I'm going to change my mind. I'm thinking the wrong way, but what is your mind? And then we wait for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. The Holy Spirit only speaks the mind of Christ. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit only speaks the mind of Christ. You want God's thoughts to renew you? Think about the power of a thought. We know what dark thoughts can do. The worst murders and evil ever done were planned by evil thoughts. They started with someone's evil intent, their evil thought. But how amazing. I just, I just, I'm amazed by it again. Father, you would share your very thoughts with us to renew us and to lead us into life. So we could think like you think. See what you see. Perceive what you perceive. See others through your thoughts. Doesn't someone change before you when you see them through the Father's thoughts? What he's thinking about them in the moment? You all have access to that. You have the mind of Christ. Paul said it. He didn't say, oh, that's just for the Corinthians in the first century. That's not for Valley Church in 2021, whatever year it is. <laughs> that's for all of us. Okay, we're going to go back to Matthew. We're going to end where we started. You know, oh man, Lord, help me on this one. You know, Peter didn't just have a bunch of bad moments, you know. He got out of the boat, he fell, he's the one who pulled the sword. Talk about weapons, he's the one who cut off the ear. You know, a lot of bad moments for Peter, but I want to share, just to end, the passage right before that I read about Get Behind Me, Satan. Does anyone know what's right before that? It's probably Peter's best moment before the cross. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? I think it's the most important question ever asked in the Bible. Jesus is saying, who, who, do, who do men say that I am, the son of man? So they say, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whenever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whenever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Oh, let's hear this. Holy Spirit, help us. What does Peter say? The question is, who is the son of man? Speaking of his humanity. 
he's a son of man. He's a son of Joseph, right? Isn't that who Jesus was, a son of Joseph? He was baiting them, I believe, a little bit too. Who do you say the son of man is? And Peter hears from the Father. I believe in his spirit, he had a moment where the Father gifted him with that revelation, even before he was filled with the Spirit. And he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You come from above, Jesus. You're not just son of Joseph, son of Mary. You have a heavenly identity. But Jesus is so loving. I want you to hear this. He, he doesn't say, he says, blessed are you, Simon Jonah. Good job, you got the right answer. And then he moves on. Now what does he do? Now that you know who I am, Peter, let me tell you who you are. Simon, son of Jonah, that's your earthly name. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven, I say you are Peter. He gave him a new name. He gave him a heavenly name. He gave him his son of God name. You know, you don't just have an earthly name. You know, I'm a Forsyth. I'm a Briner. That's my mom's side. With a German heritage and all. That's all that I am. No, no, no. I have a heavenly name and a heavenly identity. Because I've been born anew. You see, Jesus is so loving. He, he came to reveal, I don't just see me through natural eyes, Peter. And in this moment, praise be to God. Blessed be you, Simon John. You are so blessed right now because you're seeing that I came from above. But guess what? You did too. That's where you come from, Peter. Which means Petros. It's like a, a small rock that comes from a big rock. That's what Petros means. And then Jesus says, upon this rock, not referring to Peter, to Petra, which is a massive rock. Jesus, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Upon that rock, I'm going to build my church. And you know what, Pete? You're going to have an important part in this. You're a chip off the old block. You're not, you're not the main block, but you're a chip off the old block. Each one of you are a chip off the old block. Hear this, hear this. You are not just Martinez or Wolf or Ward or Morris or Hardy. You're not just Simon Barjona. You come from above. You have a heavenly destiny and a heavenly identity. And upon this revelation, I will build my church. The church isn't built off of our idealism and our apostolic line. You know, Peter, you're the head of the whole thing and hopefully all the apostles get it right and all the bishops down through the ages. But we know that that doesn't work. The church isn't built off men. It's built off of Jesus, the Son of God. He's the foundation of the church. You see, Peter here was in his right mind. And what does Jesus say? You all are church. That means called out once. You've been called out of the world and given a heavenly identity. That word ecclesia is all about being called out. It's all about identity. You are the ecclesia, the church of God. Whether you're here on a Sunday or not, you're, you're the church. You are the living, breathing, walking church of God. And he says, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We often say hell, but it's Hades. It was like the underworlds where the dead are. Hades means not to see. Hades, not to see. Although the world is blinded because they don't see who I am and who they are, the church who walks in the revelation of who Jesus is and who he says they are, are gonna break through the gates of blindness. Woo! You see, when we live the gospel, when we live differently, they go, something's different about you. You're not living from this kingdom. Why did you give so generously? Why do you believe the best about me? Why? I'm born again. I'm born from above. 
you may not see that, but right now I just want to declare that your real origin is in Jesus Christ. You have a heavenly lineage, and right now he wants you to be born anew. He wants you to be born anew. And I just declare right now, scales are coming off people's minds because you needed to hear this. This isn't Christianity 101. This is the foundation, and this is what, this is what it's all about. I look around here, and I see sons and daughters of God. Not by your own doing, but by his. You're all sons and daughters of God. Do we know what we're saying when we say that? That means no matter what I was in the flesh in my life or my dad and my great-great-great-great-grandfather and the whole lineage of sin going back to Adam, I have a pure identity and conscience from heaven. And I'm born from above. I'm born anew. I'm born anew. I'm born anew. That's who you really are. And the gates of not seeing will not prevail against us. You know, gates, do gates move? We can read this passage wrongly in the flesh and think the gates of hell are coming at us. Gates don't move. People are trapped, stuck with gates. We break through the gates. The Spirit of God wants to break through great gates as you love people and open your mouth. That's what Revelation does. It opens eyes and then the gates go, it happened in my life where I no longer saw myself as less than and I need to worry about everything and be in fear. But there came a moment where God broke those gates and I I realized I don't have to be bipolar. I don't have to take medication my whole life. I, I can live fearless because by the Spirit, I cry, Daddy, Heavenly Daddy, who loves me so well. He loves me from a heavenly love, a pure love. Not an earthly love that runs out pretty quick and is very fleshly. A heavenly love. So let's rise to our feet here. Yes, Jesus. And I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. And I need one of those rags. I'm sweating up here. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Today we've heard that we can live fearlessly. You don't have to live in fear any longer. Today we heard that we're not just born again, we're born anew. And we, because we're born anew, the Spirit helps us to see the kingdom of God. To see others the way he sees. To see our circumstances through his eyes. Not just earthly eyes. And we also have seen that we can flip the switch. You know, you might be going through darkness right now. You might be going through depression or anxiety. And I felt so, man, just during worship, I wasn't going to talk so much about kind of mental things, but I feel like I know it's a hard thing to share, and that doesn't mean you have to share all your dirty laundry, but if you struggle with evil thoughts or anxious thoughts or even sometimes crazy thoughts, and you're like, but I'm a Christian, I shouldn't. I feel like God wants to break that off today. We have a prayer team, an amazing prayer team. I feel like God wants to break off fear this morning. God wants to break off anxiety. And he wants you to be renewed, your mind, in the knowledge of who you are. I feel like God wants to do that. And I just declare that even this morning, a sentence of bipolar or these words that I've used, that's not the real you. That's not the last word. You know, we talk about not believing the doctor's report about, you know, cancer. Let's not believe the doctor's report about what the mental illnesses they say we have. Okay, that might be true in a certain sense, but it's not the truth. The truth supersedes that. So right now, I just, I just every, every eye closed right now, I'm just going to pray. Father, help me. And if you want, while no one's watching, you can put your hand over your your head or your mind if that's where you've been struggling as of late. Maybe in your dreams, maybe in dark thoughts. Just put your hand over your head. Father, I thank you right now that you're touching minds right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you're touching brains, you're touching memories and histories and trees that have been built in their mind from years of dark thoughts. 
And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for healing minds right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you for renewing minds with a knowledge of that person's identity as a son or daughter of God. Right now, I thank you for chains coming off, chains coming off, blindness coming off, the veil being lifted, the fogginess. I just declare if there's fogginess right now, if you've had foggy thinking, whether you're young or old, doesn't matter. If you're having foggy thinking, we call them, you know, brain farts. That's not what you were created for. I just break those off right now in Jesus' name. I declare clarity of thinking in Jesus' name. I declare clarity of thinking in Jesus' name. And so God, right now, I thank you for doing a surgery on people's minds right now. I thank you that you've already provided the electrical system of the mind of Christ, that you've already hotwired their insides and you've already installed that. You did that work. So I pray right now people would begin to hear from you. I pray that they begin to hear your thoughts and see what you see. Thank you, God, for renewing imaginations right now by the power of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, renew imaginations. Open people's imaginations for heavenly visions and heavenly thoughts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you want prayer, I I just encourage you to come up I feel like God wants to touch some people. And I'm just going to pray, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for all the words spoken. We just seal these by the word of God, by your name and the blood of Christ. I thank you that today we can live fearless, that you've given us a new identity to see the kingdom of God. And I thank you, God, that we can flip the switch because of what you've done that we don't have to think dark thoughts this week or evil thoughts. You've given us your mind. We're thankful for that. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us this week to flip the switch, to just flip the switch and say, what are, you, what are you thinking, God? What are you thinking? So just bless you. Just go in the name of Jesus. Everyone have a beautiful day. Come up for prayer if you want. Say hi to someone on the way out. Have a wonderful Sunday. Bye-bye. <laughs>